As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 1. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. 2. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. 3. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-369. 5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,500 first bet offer today. Just baseball show for Friday, November 17th is brought to you by the fine folks at BetMGM. On the docket today, we found a weird quirk in the awards voting that we're going to get into, which is just hilarious. Also, a funny comment from the general manager of the LA Angels, Perry Manassian. Um, the A's got a unanimous vote from the owners to move to Vegas in 28. So we'll, we can talk a little logistics there. Also read something fascinating uh, on Twitter slash X about the Cal Quantrill DFA um, conundrum in Cleveland. So all that and more, Arm Layton. Hey, how are you? Hey, good, man. <laughs> I, I see the ocean just, just, I see some waves behind you on the back, right? A little subtle vacation flex. But also you forgot one important headline, Christopher Morell is the human <laughs> equivalence of, of gold. Uh, according to, I think those that, believe that this is the the word of the the Cubs front office I yeah that's the thing is like what if he didn't really say that and I don't know yeah. but we get into that as well because uh Christopher Morrell can be the centerpiece for any player you want in baseball according to some I know you will properly at- attribute that but again just seeing those waves behind you and the back right shoulder there just a little pocket see some palm trees yeah it, it looks nice man here's the agenda um just flew into uh, Santo Domingo last night. Been number one on the baseball bucket list to get to the Dominican Winter League. Um, been number one on my on my dad's baseball bucket list as well. So we are uh, we're here and we're just ripping through games. So uh, today recording pods. Friday we're going to La Romana to see Toros del Este. I'm so excited to watch your mean Mercedes play baseball live again. Oh, let's um, go, which will be great. Saturday we're going to uh, Estrellas Orientales, who I think are managed by Fernando Tatis Senior in San Pedro de Macari. And then uh, Sunday we're going to a uh, Tigres de Licey. So uh, a big day in Santo Domingo on Sunday, and then back to Estrellas on Monday. So uh, week of the Dominican Winter League. I'm very excited. So. I'll put my scouting uh, what safari hat on and uh, I'll let you know if I see anything. Cool. Or it depends who you are, or you could put a fedora on and it depends. Sure, man. You could do that too. Um, hey, so we have the awards coming out and we're talking before the MVPs are announced. Stunner, I think it's going to be Otani in the American League and Acuna in the National League. And I think both of them are going to be unanimous. But we'll see if there's any weird first place vote thrown to Mookie Betts from somebody in Los Angeles. I want to get into this off the top because the BBWAA, the Baseball Writers Association of America, 
will put out a voting breakdown, right? This guy was unanimous Cy Young winner in, in Cole, but Snell got 28 of 30 first place votes. Okay, which other two guys you know, got first place votes? Who snuck onto the ballot with one fifth place vote? <clears throat> Chris Martin. Um, and then my favorite thing is who voted for who? Um, like, oh, Yiner Diaz got a second place American League Rookie of the Year vote. Who voted for Yiner Diaz? So I went on the dive. <laughs> I went on the BBWAA website and I found this out. So sit back and enjoy. Because we were talking about this when we were on the road uh, and you were like, dude, this has to be on the podcast. You ready? This is yes. I I made it a note, it, dude. We, I th- I was staying at your place, and you have a setup to where like you, we can hear each other. Like you were in your bed, I'm sleeping on the couch, and <laughs> you're shouting to me. Guess who voted for this person? Guess <laughs> yeah. who voted for? Guess who was the only person to vote for this person? I'm like in bed, my phone's like over there, and I'm like, okay, this is the funniest shit I've ever heard. I need to make a note so we don't forget this. And I made yeah. a note in my phone, literally, which it takes a lot. Once I'm about to go to sleep yeah. to get me to get up, go grab my phone and make a note. And it literally said, talk about the local reporters sneaking in votes for their players. Yeah. And, and it, 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 like, it won't disappoint. It just does not disappoint. And this is not to disparage any of the writers because again, it's, it's usually, it's not a first place vote. Generally, it's usually like, Oh, well this guy was good. He's close to home. I'm going to sneak him a fifth place vote. But the problem with this is there's a lot of incentives based on where you finish in Cy Young voting. We talked about it with Walker, right? Like Walker would have made a lot of money if he finished in the top three could have arguably won the Cy Young finished fourth. And that's where some of those, Oh, let me throw Chris Martin a fifth place vote can make a big difference uh, when you you have the point accumulation here. So, yeah, let's dive into this because I it one is funny, but two, I do think is something that needs to be discussed a little bit more because the the home bias, I think, really does skew maybe not first place as much, but it does skew second, third and fourth place. And if you don't think that matters, tell that to the players and the agents who, you know, end up making a lot less or more depending on on how things fall yeah um also i love you calling out my apartment complex you sold me on a one bedroom but it is a glorified studio apartment because the wall doesn't go all the way to the ceiling so yeah we had a great conversation in a quote-unquote separate rooms but here was the breakdown uh i've got at least one example for each award start with rookie of the year which was announced on monday al rookie of the year Gunnar henderson won it it was unanimous okay but Yiner Diaz of the Houston Astros got one second place vote. It was Jesus Linares of Pelota Brava. That's an affiliate of the Houston Astros. The team, there's always a team and a market affiliated with each of these writers. And Jesus Linares is uh, one of, I want to say, two uh, Houston writers that does get to vote for this. NL Rookie of the Year. Nolan Jones of the Rockies got two second place votes. One of those second place votes was from Patrick Lyons of DNVR Sports, which is a Colorado Rockies affiliate. He's based in Denver. American League Manager of the Year. Bruce Bochy got three first place votes to take away from Brandon Hyde. He's the only guy that took votes away from Brandon Hyde. Of the three first place votes, one of them was from Jeff Wilson of Rangers Today. Dusty Baker got one second place vote. Dusty. One second place vote. It was from Jesus Ortiz of Our Esquina, based in Houston, Texas. The National League Manager of the Year. I'm four out of six in right now. National League Manager of the Year. Okay, Skip Schumacher won it. Craig Council got some votes. There were some guys that got some votes, including David Bell, the manager of the Cincinnati Reds. He got one vote. The one first place vote that David Bell got was from Mark Schmetzer who's a freelancer. His publication is literally at large, but he's based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Craig Council got five first place votes. Two of them were the two Milwaukee-based writers that get to vote for NL Manager of the Year. American League Cy Young. This is turning into a rant. The one that jumped out with me, because Cole was obviously unanimous, how the hell did Chris Bassett get a third place vote for AL Cy Young? It wasn't from Toronto. Guess where it was from? Manolo Hernandez Duen, who's based in Oakland, California. He still has the Oakland bias for Bassett. And then Ed L. Cy Young. 
Blake Snell was two votes off of unanimous. He got 28 of 30 first place votes, one of which went to Logan Webb. Okay. The other went to Zach Gallen, who coughed up that first place, coughed up the second place with, with a really rough end of the season. Who was the one Gallen voter? It was Barry Bloom of Sportico out of Phoenix, Arizona. Gallen also got three second place votes with the other Phoenix-based rider supplying one of them. We have yet to see the MVP voting breakdown, but that is at least one concrete example from every single awards tally of a guy showing explicit bias towards someone that they cover or have covered. Insane. And like that's that's I and I hate providing like a issue without a solution. That was fantastic stuff, by the way, Jack. Fantastic stuff. Uh, but I got to lock in on on one of one spot. And it's it's the AL rookie of the year. And fortunately, Cream rises to the top. Tanner Bybee finishes in second. But when you have a unanimous rookie of the year, the second place finish, every vote matters very much. And let's not forget here, top two finishers earn a full year of service time. This is very important. I can promise you Tanner Bybee psyched. On finishing second, of course he wants to win it, but finishing second because he gets the full year of service time. That is huge for your ability to hit free agency and, and, and for the amount of money that you can bring in sooner rather than later. And honestly, one or two more votes one way or another, Tanner Bybee might not have that second spot. It could have got snaked away from him. Uh, and I think that's the craziest part of it because you can't justify Yiner Diaz, who had a phenomenal second half. Don't get me wrong. But Tanner Bybee had a 2980 ERA in 142 innings. Like, this is not even a consideration. The guy was one of the better arms, really, in, in the American League for a lot of the year. So that's where it starts to get to me. Like, awards are awards, and you know a lot of it is, is fluff and fun and, and things to talk about for, like, you and I on this show. But when you have aspects to it that, ge- like, genuinely affect – these guys' careers, both monetarily and also like service time and, and all these different things, we got to vet this out a little bit more. I don't know what to do. I don't know if there's like a rule that you – I don't know if it would skew the voting too far where you know you can't vote for a player within your market uh, and so you're only voting on players outside of your market. I don't know. That might further complicate things. But this is a, something that happens all the time. And I don't know if it was as egregious this year, even as other years, I've, I've seen it be more egregious in other years and just kind of forgot about it. You brought it up again this year and we flew through each award and you can find an instance. I don't know if it changed the way that anything placed, but if we keep doing it this way, it eventually will. Yeah. I dude, like I have no rebuttal to it. Like I have no solution. And and that's the thing that we talk about all the time of this show, right? Like it's so shitty bringing up problems when you don't have a solution that's at the top of your mind. I have zero yeah. solution that's at the top. Zero of my solution. Mind. But it's also just objectively hilarious. It's um, awesome. Because and, you, just, you go okay see like, it. yeah, like, yeah, look, I'm, is it going to ruin my week? No. Or we'll, I'll forget about it by next week as well. But I it do want it to be on other people's. Week. If we're being totally yeah, yeah. honest, it kind of made mine. I, I laughed a lot when we went through each of them. And it was like this, it was almost like mining for gems. We just keep going to each award and I go like, what's going to pop up here? I mean, the, the fifth place for, for Martin, Martin was awesome. Like, don't get me wrong, but th- that, that's just, just so funny to me. Can I, like can just objectively it, hilarious. It was not a Boston based writer, which I was stunned by. I think it was Jordan Bastion in Chicago. So that was the one that actually didn't even count. Yeah, that didn't even count towards the, that, damn, then that's not as funny. Um, but the Iner Diaz one was pretty funny because yeah, no. it wasn't just a third place. It was a second place vote. And it just seemed like it was pretty much a no brainer. Casas. I mean, you didn't vote for one of the three finalists for second place. No, like that's crazy. And I don't think Diaz got really any other votes within the, did he get, uh, did he get a top five vote? Otherwise top four vote. Otherwise uh, rookie of the year, I think was three. I think it was a top three vote. And I think Diaz got one second place vote and like two or three third place votes. And that was it. The one that I kind of like needed to figure out the spin zone was Bassett because he was like the one <laughs> outlier. I was just like, that was a this? crazy one. Yeah. But I was just like, why is this happening here? And, you know, I scrolled and I was like, all right, it's not any of the Toronto people. Who was it? And it was a, a guy based out of Oakland. I was like, oh, my gosh, are we still doing this? <laughs> We're still doing it. He wishes that he had Olsen and Chapman still there. Like, what, what's going on? Sean Manaya? can't Come vet that now. out. 
you can't vet that out. Where, where, where were you from? Are you friends with this guy? Like, what are we going to put him on? You know, you, you can't do anything. It just is what it is. So again, just bringing up an, an issue with, with no solution, but it is very, very funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. That said, all the right award winners won and everything seemed to fall the way that it should. I would have went scorched earth if somehow Tanner Bybee didn't get his full year of service time uh, sure. because of some some homer votes. But fortunately, I don't think it's a problem because it's not a problem yet. But sure. keep your eyes out for some of those biased votes. Just keep your eyes out. And, you know, I think just the fact that you can just kind of hold people accountable for their votes is is an important thing too, right? Like this is where social media I think is fair. Like, Hey, can you make your case as to why Yiner Diaz was the number two, you know, rookie of the year finalist? If you can make a, a, a sound case, then sure. But I think that's one of the few instances where it's fair to say, Hey, you know, why'd you vote for Yiner second? Uh, other than you saw him more like, can you make a con a concrete case here? And if they can, sure. But that's where social media, I think, is is, is a better forum uh, and actually can be beneficial, but not the fuck you. Why'd you, you know, put Yiner ahead of Tanner Bybee? But I, I would love to see I would love to see these writers explain their votes a little bit more, I, not because you need to explain anything to us, just because I think it's good content. And I think it's a great way to peel back the curtain and and connect with fans in the audience through the process. But for whatever reason, it feels like that's something that just doesn't seem to happen very often, whether it's hall of fame where some vote anonymously or don't, you know, I always think about the coward who did, you know, didn't vote for Jeter and, and did that anonymously. Um, Yeah. Those things are weird to me. If if I'm ever fortunate enough to have a vote, uh, I would love to, to peel back the curtain on the process and, and explain what went through it. If you don't agree with me, that's totally fine. But at least, you know, you can't just look at it and be like, oh, Arm did this because he's friends with that guy or Arm did this because it's a Marlin or whatever it is. Like, that's the last thing I'd ever want. And maybe it's not fair to attribute that to some of these people. But if you don't peel back the curtain, how are we supposed to know? Right. No, come on, man. You're you're uh, what is it? Zach McCambly uh, 2029 Cy Young vote is going to be awesome. I'm going to slip in that one at like the, the fifth place spot for, for yeah. Zach. Yeah. It's going to go nuts. Um, another note that I kind of wanted to move to has to do with business of baseball and, and it's Bally and diamond sports group and diamond sports group. The Bally's pretty much went bankrupt. They filed for bankruptcy this, this past year. I think a lot of people know that Bally sports, if you know, Chances are you're watching your local telecast. It was on a, a Bally Sports. NBC Sports is the other big one. AT&T Sportsnet has as a couple. And then I think the Dodgers are still Spectrum Sportsnet. And then you have the unique RSN. So like Nesson, yes, Marquee for the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Cubs. Um, but Bally was the main controller. And Bally is officially pulling out of baseball after the 2024 season. That was reported. Um, so 11 teams remain that have Bally broadcasts um, two of which had already been seized by major league baseball. Bally did not pay the San Diego Padres for the television rights. So major league baseball took control of that telecast Bally in turn pulled out of the Arizona diamondbacks agreement. So major league baseball took control of the diamondbacks. There is a chance that the defending world series champs and the Texas Rangers have their local broadcast seized by major league baseball and produced by major league baseball and Bally pulls out. I cannot believe that the Texas Rangers will not keep their RSM, but that kind of shows you the business of television baseball, but that kind of took me to, to this one. And I brought this up briefly on the call up. So if you guys are hearing it for the second time, I'm sorry. Um, but for those of you hearing it for the first time, Travis Sochik writes for the score, um, And he's done some great stuff on the television business and just the business of baseball in general. And he tweeted the GM of the Cleveland Guardians, Chris Antonetti. Chris Antonetti cites cable revenue uncertainty as one reason the club designated Cal Quantrill for assignment. The Minnesota Twins plan to reduce payroll. The San Diego Padres were forced to take out a loan. 11 teams are still tied to Bally slash Diamond and face revenue uncertainty entering the 2024 season. Going to be interesting to see how this plays out. So yeah. just like revisiting that conversation real quick, um, the fact that the Bally 
uh, conundrum and I guess like the the soft ground that everybody stands on when it comes to financial backing from RSNs is impacting player contracts. And I never thought that we would get to that point in baseball. Yeah. So it's funny. This is something that I, I did a little research on prior, um, like a few years back. And then, uh, you know, just be growing up a Marlins fan. I was just always trying to figure out the dollars and cents as to why my you know favorite team was so broke and couldn't do anything. And then you know, just rehashing it recently as you brought up this topic and, and diving into it, there's no sport or, or league that could be more affected by this than Major League Baseball because Major League Baseball relies on on regional, local broadcast for revenue more than any other sport. And, and actually, Sportico broke this down going into 2023. If you look at it by, by the four major sports, NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. According to Sportico, 23%, so nearly a quarter of MLB's individual team revenue comes from local media. I mean, that is a large chunk. For comparison, the NFL, surprise, surprise, very, very small. It's a a sliver. NBA, which I think is a very comparable product in terms of frequent games, local interests, things like that. Almost half at 13%. And the NHL, similar as well, 12%. So, you know, the other main factors being national revenue, team sponsorship, concessions, seating suites, and, and other. But the third biggest revenue source for Major League Baseball teams is local media. And for some, it's even more than that. If you're a smaller market team that doesn't, you know, fill up the seats, it might be number two, could be close to number one for you because you don't make that much on the national side. And, and even then, even, even if it's number two or number three, we're not talking about a big disparity here. It's 23% on average versus 26% on national revenue and 31% on on seating and, and, and suites and all of that good stuff. So, I mean, I, I actually understand this side of it. Generally, I'm going to say, oh, stop crying poor. That's annoying. But if you're a team like the Twins, this was – and the Padres too. Two teams that had as high of a payroll as we've seen them have and, and commend them for that. And – Fans showed up, and that's great. That helps, but you need that money coming in from your your local uh, your, your local deal. It's it; those are big deals. So that's a side of it where, like, I actually get it. You know, even the Guardians they locked up Jared. They never do that. And look, maybe there's ways that they can make this work. And, and yeah, I'm not totally absolving them, but I do think that it's fair if you're a team like the Padres or the Twins that you know, has tried to transcend that small market or mid-market label that they've had on them and has spent more money than they ever have. And then you have this fall through at the worst time possible. That sucks. And really, I think the majority of the onus lays on obviously Diamond and and Bally, and it's embarrassing that they bit off more than they can chew. But I actually understand to a degree these teams having to figure things out. I don't think the Twins are going to shed like crazy. But, you know, maybe that $6 million Kyle Farmer deal, like, that looks a little bit shittier right now. A hundred percent. I love that you point out the reliance on local media coverage, and particularly the RSN telecast, the regional sports network telecast um, for Major League Baseball. And I want to equate it to the NBA because the NBA is a pretty easy one to palette. The NBA has an 82-game season. Now, the worst teams in the NBA, how many nationally televised games will they play? Probably zero to five right but how many televised how many nationally televised games whether it's on tnt or espn are the boston celtics going to play this year 20 that's the lakers yeah that's a quarter of their season that's 20 of the 82 how many nationally televised games is a major league baseball team going to play how about the atlanta braves okay let's say they're on sunday night baseball eight times right Um, let's say they're on TBS or Fox, another combined 10 times. All right. So that's 18 nationally televised games, 18 out of 162 compared to 20 out of 82. There's your difference folks. Yep. That's the reliance. Yeah. And, and the deals have been really profitable for, for these major league teams in the past and for the RSN providers, generally speaking, if you run your company, semi-decently obviously bally has not done that i mean they're but they're really like casino right am i yeah. wrong about that like it's bally it's, I, I know bally's is like a casino that you know is in vegas and i think there's one in the anderson indiana like it's just one of those I, like fever dream things that i see just doesn't doesn't make sense 
But, you know, what's interesting to me is that most of these teams are, you know, and this is another aspect that I know Sportico dove into is that most teams are leaders in their you know, regional market in terms of ratings. Like ratings have been strong uh, locally for, for most teams. Uh, RSNs were the number one program in prime time on cable in 22 of 29 markets last year, despite the cord cutting. What's wow. interesting here is this might just end up, I think, expediting an ev- inevitable aspect of what was going to happen in the way that sports are consumed anyways, which is our generation and the generation, you know, coming behind us generally being cable cutters anyways. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why they're struggling to make ends meet and everything, For sure, but it, it's only going to get worse in terms of cutting the cable. And that's why we've seen the Apple TV deals and we've seen the league try to you know, spread out coverage and that pissed people off too. But, but we are going to get the best more option is to just centrally do it because MLB always talks about how you know, the watched hours on MLB TV are better than ever. And you know what? NBA league pass, they really mastered that side of things. You still have your local broadcast that you lean into, but there, and I know that's a challenge now because who's going to be, you know, providing the resources, who's going to be employing, you know, these broadcasters, it's a little complex, but I think there's a way that you can figure this out to where it's more centralized. There might be cons to this that I'm not thinking about because we're just talking out loud here, but at the same time, we're going to have to go down that route eventually anyways, because the next generation, there's not going to be enough people watching on cable for this to survive as is. So maybe this is just a a blessing in disguise to expedite a process that was probably going to happen, happen anyways. I feel like we're, we're trying to steal some thunder from Andrew Marchand at the New York post, and we're just not going to do it effectively, but um, it is like kind of a sports media conversation. And it's a fascinating one. I will say from the broadcaster perspective, especially on the television side, Typically, um, as is the I think it's like 80 percent of, you know, Major League Baseball teams. And I bet that number is pretty close uh, when it comes to the NBA and the NHL as well. Those broadcasters are employed by the organization and not by um, Bally or not by mm-hmm. NBC Sports, like that kind of thing. So I like the Cubs, I think the Cubs announcers are Cubs employees. The Tigers announcers are Tigers employees. White Sox are White Sox employees, that kind of thing, um, which, you know, is is fascinating. It's slippery so, slope if you look at what just happened in, you know, with Kevin Brown in, in Baltimore. Right, exactly, and, exactly. So it's very it's, complex issue. It's layered. And like the parting thought I have on that is I just kind of want to understand the dollars and cents more than I do about the sun way of going about it Matt Ishbia pulled from Bali and he's putting on like local I think it's the local CBS affiliate is picking up Suns games and obviously you can still get it on League Pass Um, so I want to know like hey does that work on local TV on a local network affiliate instead of cable because if that works then hey that's great and and that's a money maker there but I, I do think that while the older generation may have hated ESPN plus originally. And while the older generation may have hated the Apple TV deal and the Peacock deal, that's where we're headed. I think Netflix wants the in-season tournament in the NBA. I saw that. I saw that. I saw that, which is crazy. Here's the reality of it too. And the last thing I'll say is, look, I I don't know if we have the exact answer right now. And there's people, as you mentioned, like Andrew Martian and and people involved in the business. They know way more, way way more more. on it than, than we do, but it is, important to just talk about that it's a layered thing and and that there are some other options out there i think that's the biggest thing is there's a lot of options now yeah, with yeah. the way that we're trending and the way that that content and and games and, and video everything can be consumed that's the thing the product's never been better the content the distribution has never been better how can we harness that energy in a positive way because we're gonna really figure it out i think they'll figure it out but i'm i wouldn't bet on uh <laughs> the blackout league. I was going to say major league blackout. Yeah. Just being able to figure this thing out, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see Um, a team that is in a very curious uh, situation is the LA angels. And they officially announced Ron Washington as their new manager. And Perry Manassian had some interesting thoughts when it came to the LA angels. And I'm just, you know, summarizing right now. I'm not going to pull anything verbatim, but he pretty much said that 2024 is not a rebuilding season and they plan to be aggressive in free agency. So I ask you straight up, is anybody going to want to sign with the LA Angels? 
Um, no, <laughs> because you like if they don't play well, I don't want to get thrown on. Way. Look at what happened to Matt Moore this year. We talked about that, right? Yeah, that guy got tossed around like a rag doll. I don't want to deal with that. Also, I don't want to be within 100 feet of Anthony Rendon. That guy is just bad vibes, just purely bad vibes. That's just point point blank, period. Yeah. And, and I'll wear that. I just saw your face. He, he is. I don't he, wanna, he is. Yeah. He stinks. He stinks. I don't <laughs> want to play with that, dude. And beyond that, it's just you look at the team. Where where are you becoming competitive? Let's assume you lose Shohei Otani. Yes, you have Mike Trout. You're hoping he's healthy. This is what roster resource has right now. And and like Perry Manassian, I actually really respect a lot of things he's done in the game. And I honestly think that he's he's almost been like just beaten to a pulp by the situation that he inherited and then the owner that he has above him that is just Artie Moreno. We we don't have to even get into that. But this is the the team, and, and he has to pretend and, and try to box this up and sell this and say, hey, no, no, we, we can add some guys. Luis Renjifo at second base, Mike Trout in center field, which get, they got to get him out of center. Brandon Drury would be the DH, Taylor Ward in left, Anthony Rendon at third base, if he feels like it, Mickey Moniak in right field. Then you'd have Logan Ohapi at catcher, King. You'd have Nolan Shanwell at first base and Zach Neto at short. So here, when I look at this team, I see, wow, you got your shortstop of the future. Wow, you got your catcher of the future. Wow, your first-round pick actually held his own at first base, despite you inexplicably rushing him up there. You've got three core pieces there. You know, Taylor Ward is is still on the the younger side of 30. Renjifo is actually young and is is a decent piece. Why would you not be embracing sustainable winning? And we're not even getting into the pitching staff, by the way. How are you going to make this one look nice, Jack? Reed Detmers, Griffin Canning, Patrick Sandoval, Tyler Anderson, Chase Silseth. Put put lipstick on that pig, please. I, like, I what, mean... What's the plan? This is a team that was so broke, or at least so afraid of the tax. I wouldn't say broke. They had a high payroll. So yeah, high it's payroll. so afraid of the luxury tax that they literally publicly humiliated themselves by just putting a bunch of players on waivers that they had recently traded for. Let me try. And how spin. are you going to now spend a bunch of money and make this team better? We know how expensive a lot of these pitching free agents are going to be, and I'll just leave it to you. Where do you start, Jack? And we're going to do our, our, our playing GM episode. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to like spend twenty minutes on this. But yeah. are there three moves? The three moves that you can make to make this team a playoff contender? No, uh, I think you probably need five or six. I'm going to try and put <laughs> lipstick on this pig. Um, and I don't oh, by the way, worst farm system in Major League Baseball as close. well. I, I might I add again. And I want the listener quick quick thought exercise. Who is the Angels' top prospect if Nolan Shanwell graduated? You don't need to be a prospect, Ted. But if you are a prospect, Ted, you're probably still struggling with that question. Think, 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 think. I don't know either. That's the point. I don't know. So anyway, back to you. Yeah. No. I I said you asked me that question in the car. You were like, "Who's the Angels' top prospect?" And I was like. Kyron Perez, <laughs> like, I, the guy I who they know. brought up and then sent back down. And I, my answer would probably be Caden Dana, uh, uh, a pitcher who they overslot in the 11th round a couple years ago, who I actually think is good, but like good is relative. Yeah. But like, we're not talking about any top 100 guys here. We're not talking about maybe no. a top 200 guy right here. Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Let's see. I, I'm going to try and spin zone the rotation into being something good. Uh, Detmers, I think has the shit. I, I think, he has really struggled at points for a couple months at a time, but um, the flashes are enough for me. Um, and there's a lot of bias there for me because I saw him after his freshman year. Uh, Patrick Sandoval has the occasional really strong start where I'm like, oh, this guy's absolutely a three in Major League Baseball. Griffin Canning, UCLA, noted good baseball program. Tyler Anderson, I liked the deal last year. It's my only take on that. Chase Silseth, fun changeup at points. Was that good? Did I nail it? Yeah, it was good. Okay. Yeah, you nailed you crushed that. David Fletcher takes over this year. I think this is his year. Um, but the point being, like, (laughs) and like just to be serious for a second. Yeah. Really tough situation for Perry to be in. And I I think that if you are trying to to and I think part of it is. They haven't given up on the Otani pipe dream and they want to keep Trout happy. Those two things 
you have to say, hey, we're not rebuilding. Hey, we're not rebuilding. Hey, we're not rebuilding. But but with that same notion, this team, if you told me what's the best way to win a, a World Series within the next decade, what's the most likely scenario to win a World Series within the next 10 years? It's trade Mike Trout. Trade Trout. It's trade Reed Detmers. It's build around Neto and Ohapi and and hopefully Shanwell, and you can hold on to Ward, but it's trade Brendan Drury. You can actually get good returns for some it, of these guys. It's trade uh, Sandoval, too. It's trade Sandoval. And you say, oh, what do they have left? You'll get some big league pieces back. Trade You'll bring some guys up. And what's yeah. funny is that team is not even that much worse. The Trout part would, would hurt a lot, but right. he's barely available. Uh, and, and even if you want to keep Trout, that's fine. Just say, that guy's retiring an angel. We want him here forever. That's fine. Trade Reed Detmers. Trade Taylor Ward then. Trade Brendan Drury. You're going to load that farm system up and at least have some sort of direction. They're never going to do that. You know that. Um, And we're just going to see this team be in purgatory and continue to waste whatever's left of Mike Trout's career and really just embarrass themselves with no direction whatsoever i that comment was surprising to me but not surprising at the same time if that makes sense yeah like what's he gonna say i'm I'm with you um like it's it's one of those where i think he knew he was setting himself up to get ratioed into oblivion but you do it anyways uh and you know that's kind of where we're at so okay say they don't trade trout i think the only way you kind of kickstart this thing this year is by trading mike trout but if they don't and they just want him to go into the hall wearing the Angels hat and, and he's there for his whole year or he's there for his whole career. OK, you're right. Trade Detmers, trade Drury, trade Ward, trade Sandoval, trade Estevez. Estevez can get you a big league everyday player. Um, trade Herget. Man, it's just like deploy everything you possibly can. And I'm not talking go get low A guys. I'm talking like go get two triple A guys. In return for Jimmy Hurricane. Do what the White Sox did in a lot of ways. I think, yeah. right? Like, yeah. well, funny enough, the guy you gave the White Sox, they'll probably use him at some point this coming year. But right. it, that's the side of it that's that's interesting for me. But you, you just can't look at an outfield of Moniac, Ward, and then hopefully Trout and say, okay, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to win some ball games here. Shanwell at first base, like, He's going to have the lowest first base slugging percentage in the entire sport. And then again, you're, you're praying that Anthony Rendon plays. And then if he plays, what is he, a two-win player? Uh, so it's 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 an interesting spot for them to be in. I don't see how you can spend your way out of this one either because they're still pretty tied up financially between the Rendon and the Trout contract. They're also paying you know some other guys a decent amount that still have like that that's tied to them. It, it's a weird spot. I, the only answer I would have is play Trey Cabbage. You need yeah. to play Trey Cabbage next year. And and know. that's that's move number one. Is, is Joe is Trey Joe Cabbage Adele in the damn lineup? Joe Adele, yeah. no, screw Joe. Yeah. Trey Cabbage is the guy. And then sure. you figure Stephonic. the rest out. And Michael Stefanik. Don't forget about Stefanik. Oh my god, that'd be so fire. But yeah, I, realistically, what what do you think? What's your prediction for the Angels next year? Are they better than that roster resource lineup or worse? Uh, worse because if they so don't do they trade, anything, they, so they they lied. Did they end up trading guys away? I don't know if they trade guys away. I think one of them's going to get hurt. <laughs> um, That's fair. I think one of one of them's going to get hurt. Um, and I don't think they can convince anyone to come. They have no trade capital. That's the thing, too. They're if a you have, laughable organization. At if this you point. have an identical deal, okay, say for a three-year deal, because the guys that make a difference are not signing one-year deals. The guys that are going to make a difference for the LA Angels are signing – three-year deals, four-year deals. Say that you as the LA Angels offer 20 more million dollars total across four years, so five more a year than another comparable team. We're talking about the difference between 80 and 100. To be honest, I think a lot of players that are capable of signing four-year deals would maybe prefer to sign a four-year 80 in a better situation than four years 100 knowing they're signing up for like just clumsy 162. Yeah. You know what's their best their best bet? Just their prayer. Japanese market. Get him an Aga. Go get Jung Hu Lee. <laughs> like yeah, you can sure. you can get you can get those guys for 140 probably combined. And then but even then that team still stinks. Like, still stink. You get those guys, you get Heimer Candelario. Is that team good? No. 
You just signed three of the top 15 free agents and spent $200 million. Oh, but, but no, but Jet, they can make a trade. No. No, they, they can't. can't. What's Joe Adele getting you? So, like, that's that's where they lose me. That's where I don't get it. Like, that's that's just where it doesn't make sense. You sign Guriel, Jung-Hoo Lee, but you know who they're going to sign, right? They're going to sign Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, and, and, absolutely. And, and he's going to give you 1.8 F4. Uh, but like they add Tay Oscar for 80, 70 million, let's say. They add Imanaga for another 80 million. That's 160 right there. Then you add one more guy, and now you're at what, 150 or sorry, $200 million, and your team still stinks. Why would you do that? No, What's the point? You don't so pack it. It's <laughs> fascinating. And I am looking forward to that whole show this year i think it's gonna be a fun show yeah. they're like the they're like the reality tv show that you like are you almost don't tell anybody you watch because you're like embarrassed about it right uh, it's like you know i'm above that i'm too smart to watch that show but you just can't help but just revel in and enjoy the chaos and and just that somebody could live like that so that was um it like i think the common answer is bachelor in paradise but for me that was love island usa because like Love Island UK, I think there's some structure there. Like I, I think that's I think actually the, a good, it's a good show. Yeah, I it's think the show. neurons are firing. But Love Island USA, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you guys? Um, or yeah. maybe Too Hot to Handle is probably the, the better example of that. One. But that was yeah. fascinating. That was a great watch. Um, last thing for me is Christopher Morell, some sort of like God type figure. What's up? <laughs> SNY yeah. had an article. Um, that popped on my feed on Thursday afternoon. And apparently there's belief within the Cubs organization that Christopher Morrell could be the centerpiece player in a return for Pete Alonso if the Mets do make Pete Alonso available. David Stearns has said he doesn't foresee Pete Alonso hitting the trade market. But if he does, Morrell, the Cubs think, could be the main guy that goes back. A couple weeks ago, there was a report that Morrell could be the main guy going back in a Juan Soto deal. And I ask, <laughs> why do the Cubs think that Morrell and Filler can net them the best run producer in baseball over the last half decade or the modern day Ted Williams? Yeah, they don't know where to stick him either. So like their usage of and Morel's a good player. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, 26 but, homers in 170. But they're talking about him being a first base DH. Yeah. Well, that that's also the thing. Like, this guy's tooled out and they don't know where to stick him. And and that part is like bizarro to me. And, and also is like a little bit concerning. Last year in the outfield, negative four outs above average. Uh last year at third base. Negative one defensive run saved. Uh, last year at second base, actually one defensive run saved. There you go. You, you got him at second base. Great spot for a guy with the 80 arm and plus plus speed, right? So you, you're limiting him, but at the same time, he's kind of limiting himself. He also strikes out 31% of the time. Uh, how can you convince me that this wasn't like a, a P whiz fever dream? Uh, you know, this, this could have been a, a Patrick wisdom. Like I hit a lot of home runs in a small spurt, struck out a lot. Can't quite match it again. I think Morel is way more talented and should be a good big leaguer for a long time. But when I'm getting a centerpiece back, I either want a prospect with massive upside that you know I feel really good about, and that's risky, any prospect is, or if I'm getting a young big leaguer, I want to be positive that that guy's a big league regular right away. And I don't know if I can say with the utmost confidence that Christopher Morel, I mean, he's a big league regular, but is much more than a two to two and a half one player, a three one player, you know, at his 75th percentile outcome. I mean, even in 107 games last year, the guy accumulated a 1.4 F4 despite hitting 26 home runs. Yeah. It's what happens when you don't walk. It's what happens when you don't play a lot of defense. And also, like the fact that Morell is always the first guy you're dangling when you have one of the best farm systems in Major League that, Baseball guess and you're trying what? to win now. Guess what? That tells that me everything. That yeah, exactly. That diminishes his value when it's oh, Morel and others. Morel, Morel, Morel. The more times you float that name and that name becomes public, that in turn decreases his value. Think about the value of Andujar and Clint Frazier when it became a joke. The first time it was great. <laughs> the twenty eighth yeah. time it sucked. Um, yeah. like 
that that's the thing, man. So each time we say, oh, Morel could be the piece here. Morel could be the piece. But then we still see more about how the Cubs are trying to fit Morel into the jigsaw puzzle and they just can't find the right fit there. It's like, okay, you've diminished his value at this point by like a, a decently noticeable margin, which stinks because I've heard Morel is a great guy. He's clearly oh, no, he, he's an electric. Yeah, he's fun. He's clearly an electric player. He's the closest thing Chicago's had to Javier Baez since Baez kind of fell from his MVP level stature. And Morel's never going to be an MVP candidate. But in this era of baseball, in 23 and 24, we are looking for war accumulators. And if you are moving a guy that is almost a lock to give you 120 runs driven in in Pete Alonso, or literally a lock to give you a 400 OBP in Juan Soto and walk 100 times, you need a war accumulator coming back as the centerpiece. Yeah. You don't need it's, 30 homers. You need five wins. Especially because you can find guys that can hit you 30 homers and give you nothing else. Like those yeah. guys are are out and about. Uh, yeah. uh, and, and honestly, blatantly overlooked a lot of times. The other side of it that's really interesting is now, Morel's a good player and he comes with a ton of control, but you got two years of control of, of Pete Alonso and then you have one year of, you know, like you said, the modern day Ted. It's going to need to be more than that. What's fascinating is, again, when you have that system, and maybe it's Morel and then the prospects and they're hoping that just doesn't allow them to, you know, fully deplete the, uh, the farm system. But I thought that was fascinating. Regardless, the larger point here, though, the Cubs are ready to go. Like they're yeah. ready to make a splash. And I do want to broaden it real quick to the fact that they've got assets, man. And Morel is still an asset, right? And that's, I don't want that to be lost in translation here. Morel is a good asset. Maybe liken him to, I think, a solid top 100 prospect, to be honest. That's kind of what I, like a back-end top 100 guy, really, or, or maybe a little bit better than that. I don't think he's much more, much less than that. Because you have to also notice, like, they've already burned more than a year of his service time as well. So you're with a prospect, you've got, clock unstarted so that's a side of it as well but i i feel like this this cubs team is going to make their splash one way or another and just the way that they're able to monitor you know they've got morell they've got mervis who's kind of blocked as well another piece that they can trade and then they've got the high high profile prospects you know i don't think they're moving pca but and i don't think they're moving kate horton but they've got Several other guys with plenty of intrigue that, that could get moved. But again, they'd rather move Morel than Horton, than PCA, which I totally get, but kind of tells you something. Can I can I throw you one? What? Uh, like just something that would get Pete Alonzo to Wrigley. Alonzo, you get two years of Pete Alonzo. Alonzo for Morel, Kevin Alcantara, and Matt Mervis. Well, you just made you just made him the the, the centerpiece. Who's more valuable than Morel or Contra? I don't know, but like I the, I just saw a Contra in the AFL, and it you know there's some swing and miss there. I I could see the Mets loving that though, like just loving but, the profile. You know, it's like the way that I kind of read it was okay. You know, Morel and fillers. I don't think Alcantara and Matt Mervis are fillers. Yeah, that's true. Like this is the centerpiece. Like no, it's he's one of like two to three main pieces here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't hate that at all. Owen Casey too. Like that's another name that they could be dangling there. I like Casey more than Alcantara, but I think most of the industry doesn't. So like that, yeah. I mean, that's a good trait. Mervis can plug right in at first, see what he can do. Yeah. So uh, he's your immediate Morel. Morel yeah. is immediately playing somewhere, wherever you want to try to figure him out in the jigsaw. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a, the point is they can make like five or six iterations of that trade with a Jackson Ferris who has a ton of interest. Uh, Jordan Wicks could even be dangled, even though they could use him. That's a guy that could have interest. You're not, you're not holding, yeah. letting that guy stop you from getting Pete Alonso. My, my thought uh, is trade from your hitter surplus. Yes. I'm with you on that. And they've got the ability to do so. So I'm interested to see, you know, how they handle it, but I think they're going to make their splash. You, you think they could get Otani, right? You said that. Yeah, I do think that they can get Otani. I think they're going to get one of Otani or Yamamoto. I don't think it's going to be Yamamoto. I think that if Otani is not a giant, he's a cub. Um, yeah. You know, and like we'll we'll save our. Those are my thing. those are my two finalists too. So I'm with yeah. you on that. Yeah, um, I I don't see like I I'm going to say it, and you guys are going to hate me because it's going to happen. I don't see a world where Shohei Otani is an LA Dodger next year. 
I know he's the betting favorite. I hope you're right, dude. I got nothing against the Dodgers, but I'm just sick of it. Like that Scherzer and Trey Turner deal. Like that was the last straw for you. me. I'm sick. Enough. Enough. Although I love this year's Dodgers. A lot of fun. I loved the James Outmans getting chances and stuff like that. Like they for traded sure. for Miguel Rojas on purpose. Like that was refreshing. Jason Hayward's career revival was excellent. Yeah, uh, that was this was a refreshing Dodgers team. I'm yeah. sure fans would very much disagree. I'm sure Walker would disagree. But it, was, <laughs> it was refreshing for me, man. I'm sick of that shit. Um, so that was that was fun. I'm just I'm picturing like the poster that they'll put right outside a Dodger stadium above like a home plate entrance. And it's going to be Otani, Freeman, Mookie, Kershaw, Bueller. Like, yeah, I'm done watching baseball. I'm walking. No, I mean, I'll watch every Walker start. But, yeah, that's yeah. A thing. I'm going to watch those Walker starts. will be electric. Um, last thing, A's acquire Abraham Toro. Your thoughts? Yeah, great. Uh, he's going to love Vegas. Does he still have control uh, in the 28th season? I'd do you, assume do not. you know what do you know what he hit last year? 204. One 444. Really? 444, 524, 778 slash line in nine games. That's <laughs> so gas. How many plate appearances? Him. 21. Was he eight for 18 with two homers? I think the common A's fleece. Wow, he and Alednis Diaz are going to be generational on the left side of the infield. Yep. I'm in. Shout out, shout out the future Las Vegas A's. Um, we we were thinking about like, hey, maybe making that a headline, but it was just going to be us yelling like, oh, what a shame. You know, shame on John Fisher yeah, again. I'm just tired of talking about it. We'll wrap up with the, the, the fact that just I saw I saw something from Jeff Passan who I think he wrote that in the closing part of his um of his piece about it, you know, unanimously, unanimously getting approved by the owners that Fisher was somewhere, a restaurant, something. And, you know, fans were kind of yelling at him to, to sell the team. Don't keep it here or whatever. This is terrible for us, whatever. And he said, it's been a lot worse for me than it's been for you guys. Shut up. Disagree. Yeah. You just he said, why are you moving the team? Cause you're gonna make a lot more money. So shut up. Well, and Passon tweeted out this quote from him, uh, A's owner John Fisher, quote, today is an incredibly difficult day for Oakland A's fans. It's a great day for Las Vegas. <laughs> he said that? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Oh, my goodness. All right. Every link. Right. Did... <laughs> yeah. John Fisher, you suck. And with that, every link you need is in the episode description. Um, get your Just Baseball merch recently made its way to our New York office and it is burning a hole in the cardboard box that it's hanging out in. So get your merch. Um, let's see. Yeah. I, I already said the length thing. We'll talk to you guys next week. Cool. Cool.